with you, great people. Isn't God good? I just feel his pleasure resting on each and every one of you. Can you, can you feel that delight, just the heavenly father? You know, I, Andrew and I were talking the other day, and I, I just, it came as a revelation to me that God was having a good day when he made me. Yeah. <laughs> that his thoughts towards me are nothing but good. Yeah. And I thought, how many people out there don't know that? That God was having a good day when he made them. He was thinking good thoughts. He was planning extraordinary life and blessing. That his thoughts towards you are always for good. That he is surrounding you with his love. That he is watching his handiwork in your life and delighting in the goodness that he sees. So Lord, I want to pray that as we share today, Lord God, as we continue our Abide series, And we look at freedom. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that people today would get free. Lord God, I'm asking. I'm asking that as was prayed in the prayer meeting before the service, Lord God, that you would burst people into the freedom that you died for. That chains would fall to the ground. That misconceptions would be destroyed. That understanding would be set right. That the light would come on in dark places in our hearts and minds. Holy Spirit, come, come, do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, I give you my words. Lord God, it's all I have, but I'm asking for more than my words. I'm asking for a move of your presence. I'm asking that you would do a work in our souls that would be, that would be eternal. Thank you, Lord. Come and do what no man can do. You're worthy to open the scroll. You're worthy to open our hearts. You're worthy to reveal truth. You're worthy to set things right. Come and do it, Lord. Come and do it. Thank you, Father. Amen and amen. As I, as you may have gathered from what I just shared, I, I'm speaking today about the truth that sets you free. How many slaves do we have here? Your master let you out to come to church. How many, how many do we have here? Okay, let's make it a bit easier. How many of you know a slave? Okay, let that sink in for a moment. We live in an era of humanity that is probably the freest ever. There are slaves around, but we don't know them. We, we live in a country whose constitution is one of the most progressive in the world. Our rights are guaranteed. We have a judiciary that fights for those rights. And despite something said by a certain cabinet minister recently, we have a judiciary that has upheld that freedom against great attack. We live in a relatively free society. But I want to suggest to you that if you and I were somewhere in a quiet place where no one could see, no one could hear, and I asked you, do you desire to be more free? Every one of you would answer yes. Why is that? It's because there is this elusive idea in the human soul about what freedom is. And no matter how we change the laws, no matter what we do in civil society, it never, ever ends up satisfying that craving inside of us. Why? Because we were born for freedom. 
We were born for a kind of environment that is heaven. Heaven is the freest environment in existence. It is the place where everyone is free to make a choice. And here's the clincher. Everyone has the resources, the capacity, and the understanding to know what the consequences of that choice is. And as a result, everyone is making right choices. Your freedom is not infringing on anyone. Freedom, the capacity to be you, is available to everyone. And your heart, my heart, longs for that. And despite the fact that we live in a magnificent country, our hearts know that there's more. Our hearts know that we need more. And that's what today's sermon is about, that more. Because Jesus was really, really clear about that. I want to read a passage of scripture to you. It's going to come up in the sc- on the screen. It's from John 8. And Jesus has just been visiting the Feast of Tabernacles. And he stood up in a dramatic gesture and talked about how, how uh, you could drink of the Spirit and it would become rivers of living water in you. And, and then he carried on with this narrative talking about freedom. And he says this in verse 31, John 8. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I want to stop there for a moment. What an amazing promise. Jesus was saying, there's something that I have that I'm going to give you that is going to set you free in a way that you have not even imagined possible. He continued, They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? I want to stop there for a moment. He's talking to Jews. They are are disputing what he's saying, saying, you know what? How can you say you're going to make us free? We are free. We've always been free. He's talking to Jews. Had they forgotten for a moment the 400 years in Egypt? Had it escaped their minds? How about the exile in Babylon for 70 years, the entire nation brought into slavery? How about the fact that at that very moment, while they were having a conversation with Jesus, they were under Roman occupation, and their freedoms were severely limited? And yet they have the audacity to stand up and say, we're already free. We don't need what you have. You see, one of the first things that Jesus comes to set you free from is self-deception. And right there in their response to Jesus, they reveal something about the human nature. Is that we often don't know how much bondage we really are in. And it may not be political bondage. But the truth is, we so deceive ourselves that we think we have more than we really do. And yet... And, and then when Jesus comes and offers us this great freedom, we're like, we don't need that. We're sorted. Because we have no idea about how 
unbelievably amazing, how absolutely satisfying, how perfectly meaningful yeah. it's going to be on the other side of what he's just said. And so as we continue, I want to invite you this to do this, to suspend for a moment your sense of I'm okay. And say, Jesus, it's possible that you have something that I need. And therefore, I am going to ask that as we continue, you would reveal to me two things, where my need is and what the solution is. That when I leave here today, I would be more free than I've ever been before. Can I ask that of you? Can we, unlike these people standing before Jesus, can we, can we suspend our pride? Can we suspend our self-preservation for a moment? Can we say, Jesus, I need you. Show me what I need. Well, he goes on and answers them and says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. As always, Jesus goes straight for the jugular. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What does it mean to be free? Not just free, free indeed. So as you were looking at that, we were looking at that particular scripture, it brings to mind two concepts. Jesus is talking about truth. And this is the the essential question of all humanity, what is truth? It is the one that philosophers have been trying to answer for a very long time. There are theories upon theories upon theories out there that will try and answer that. But Jesus here proclaims a certain truth that you can know that seems to be able to solve everything. He doesn't say it, but the implication is if there's a truth that will set you free, there's a lie that will bring you into bondage. And I feel like that would be quite important to know. Because that means there are statements, thoughts, ideas out there that we are believing that are bringing us into bondage without us even knowing. And Jesus is offering us a new way of looking at the world that will set us free from those things we don't even know are there. So we're going to look at truth and lies as one of our points. The other statements he uses or words he uses is sons and slaves. And he talks about how slavery to sin, to kind of like um, our desires and meeting our desires and, and running after our own personal agendas is, is bringing us into slavery. Yeah. And then he talks about him being the son and setting you free. And it talks about how sons are free in their father's households. So clearly something about the freedom that he's bringing to you has to do with the way you see yourself. Has to do with the position that you you find yourself in relationship to your world and to God. And so we're going to look for a moment at sons and slaves because if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. There is this, this concept in the world that there is this ultimate truth that lives out there. 
And if God is to be true, he must live up to that. Some of you are looking at me with eyes that are saying, so what's wrong with that? Because it's so prevalent in the way we see the world. We judge God all the time by this abstract truth that we hold to. And we say, why isn't he holding up that? How can he be good? But you see, it doesn't work like that at all. Because before there was anything, there was God. He has something that must sit at the foundation of all of our thinking if we are going to be free. That God is truth. That there is nothing outside of him. That is true. There's no truth outside of God. All truth is God's truth. There is no truth outside of God. All truth is is God's truth. He does not have to submit to some objective idea of what truth is. He is truth. Everything must submit to who he is. Everything must submit to the revelation of who he is, how he's made the world, how he set things together. It's his world. Before this creation, all there was was God. Jesus said an amazing thing in John 14, verse 6. He said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Basically, he was saying this concept. He was saying, you're hungering after truth. But actually, here the truth is standing in front of you. I am the truth. To know truth is to enter into a relationship with God. We know truth, we judge truth, we, we establish truth in light of knowing God. Because to know God is to know truth. So to be free must mean to enter into a relationship with the embodiment of truth, and that is Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh, my slides are asking me to, to edit them right now. Not, not, not a great time. I'm not sure what your flavor of musician is. Questa, AKA, Beyonce, Adele, you choose. You choose your what? Leland, Upper Room, I'm getting closer to some of yours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maverick City. I don't, I, I, don't know, I don't know where your preference lies. But say you wanted to, to know that particular performing artist or artists. How would you find out about them? I'm, Instagram we're hearing. <laughs> yes. But you would, you would listen to the lyrics of their songs. You would listen to what they're creating. You would, you would explore what they're creating, and that would give you an idea of who they were. But you would not know them. Yeah. You see, truth is like this. If we want to know truth, we can look at the creation that God has put together. And we can get clues. We can listen to the word that he's spoken, and we can get clues of who he is and what truth is. But ultimately, we must enter into a relationship with him if we want the full picture. Come on. Ultimately, 
we must surrender into love and say, yes, teach me, show me, let me know you. When Jesus made that statement and said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The word therefore know is the word gnosko. I teach you a little Greek. Gnosko. And if you speak Greek, you know I have pronounced it heretically. You can come and correct me afterwards. But that word is an interesting word because it doesn't mean to know intellectually. Which is so interesting because there was a word they could have used to mean that. Jesus was very clear. You've got to gnosko the truth. And you see, this word was the word that, that a man knew his wife with when they were married. It's a word that means to know by relationship, to know by experience. It means to enter into an intimate relationship with so that you can understand it. So you can feel it from the inside out. So you can, you can have intimate working knowledge of it. So Jesus was saying this, you must enter into a relationship with me in order to be free. That's right. You must encounter the revelation of who I am, allow it to transform the way you think and live, and you will be free. You will be able to be fully yourself. You will be able to live making right choices with a full understanding of what those, what those choices bring. Good. You will be free, and you will be free indeed. You see, Gnosko means a relationship with truth, an encounter with life, abiding in Jesus' words as his disciples. Remember how he began this whole discourse. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So he's inviting you into a relationship with him, the word, listening to his voice, allowing that voice to direct you, determine you, mold you, make you. It means reading the Bible and not just ticking a box, but reading the Bible and allowing those words to hit your soul. Allowing those words to change the way you see your neighbor, to change the way you see yourself, to change the way you see God. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let's move on for a moment to sons and slaves. Oh, before I go there. Grab the concept of sons and slaves and just put it down next to you. We'll pick it up in a moment. You know, this, this concept of having a relationship with Jesus, the word, working, walking into an experience of truth by knowing him. It sounds elusive, and I wanted to give you some concrete examples of it. I was speaking to Daniel the other day, and he's the guy who was on guitar this morning and singing with that, that deep, resonant voice. You remember him? He, he does a lot of soul healing with men and um, has had, had personal experience of, of God coming to kind of meet his internal needs and change some, some painful experiences that he's had in his heart so that he can be freer in those areas. And we were talking about it and I was asking him, what, what, you know, what is the experience of, of people when you've been ministering to them? 
And he said a profound thing that really helped me. He said this, that it's his experience that, that when, when people come and they bring the pain of their past, things that have happened maybe in their childhood, their upbringing, even more recent than that, and they bring it before Jesus and they, they engage with Jesus in a way where, where their hearts are open and they are pressing into a relational experience with him. That in prayer, he begins to reveal things to them that, that says things to them like this, gives them the full picture. Like maybe their, their, um, their mom or dad had done something, had left them with a deep wound or a sense of abandonment or alienation. And, and in that moment, Jesus took away the veil and allowed them to see and understand who their parents were and what their parents were going through. And at that moment, their heart just became to rest and realize this wasn't because there was something wrong with me. that I can, I, can, I can receive the fullness of God's life and I can forgive my parents and let it go. And a powerful moment of freedom coming to them. And this is consistent all the time when people come to Jesus in that posture, freedom is always the result. If you've got some of those issues, you just go speak to Daniel afterwards. He'll take you to Jesus right there. I remember I was once ministering at UJ and we had a prayer line and we were praying for people and this one woman was uh, totally distraught. She was about 18, 19, uh, totally distraught and I went and I was praying for her and I asked her what's going on and she said, um, I won't share her name here for obvious reasons, you'll see in a moment. She said to me, I I had an abortion two or three years ago, and I live in regret of that moment my whole life. I wake up thinking about how old my child would have been. I, I wake up thinking of the torment they went through in that. I wake up thinking about how I abandoned her, and I, I live with that regret day after day after day, and I cannot believe that God would forgive me. And you know, when you stand before someone with that kind of issue, what can you do? I mean, it's not like I can say, oh, it's okay, God forgives you. You know, it's like she doesn't need just trite answers. She needs an experience. She needs the living God to come and put his arms around her. Chaos around, people being prayed for left and right, band still playing some lovely tune. I'm, I'm with her, I just said, you know what? I don't have your answer. But Jesus does. Come with me into his presence. Let's pray. And right there, I took her hand and I said, Lord Jesus, would you show her what she needs to see? And she stood there in that chaotic environment. And it was like Jesus stepped into her consciousness. And I said, what's happening? She just went all quiet. She said, I can see Jesus standing there. And I said to her, well, is he angry with you? And she said, no. His arms are open and he's saying, come, he loves me and he forgives me. And you know, I could, she didn't move physically, but I could feel her soul run to Jesus and just that embrace of his love. And then she started weeping like uncontrollably. And I said, what's going on? He says, he has my baby. He's holding my baby. Yeah. 
And she's so happy. And she's so okay. And she's so at peace. And she forgives me too. And you know, I witnessed in front of my very eyes a woman forgiven. And a woman who could just leave her past behind. The sin wasn't like glossed over and thought to be nothing. She felt the pain of it, but at the same time, she felt the enormous forgiveness and Jesus saying, I made it right. Despite you, I made it right. I love you. I see your pain and we're walking forward into something good. And this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about just knowing a few good statements. I'm talking about an encounter with the living God that sets you free. This is what Jesus is saying. When you bring your life like that to me, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Yeah, I think we can give the Lord a hand. So let's look at sons and slaves. Jesus, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he went on and he said, the second part of that verse says this. Oh, sorry, one back. I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, the, the kingdom of God is a relationship from the top to the bottom. It just keeps on being relationship. Because Jesus says, says this, there, there's a truth that I'm going to take you on a journey of truth that involves me bringing you out of something and bringing you to your heavenly father. And that his journey with you, those encounters that he wants to have with you are for the purpose of that you would be one with your heavenly father. That you would be pushed against the heart of love. As creator of the universe, his, his life and power pulsing through your body. That you would live from that experience of your heavenly father. Next slide, thank you. In essence, what he's saying is I'm going to, through my truth and this journey of truth and the experience of me as truth, I'm going to take you from being a slave to being a son. None of us think we are slaves, back to my question right at the beginning. But every single one of us, me included, are enslaved in some way to something. There is something that has stolen our capacity to choose. Where there's a cultural way of being brought up that, that forces you to think a certain way. Or if it's societal restrictions. Or if it's your, the own, your own bondage that you brought on yourself by compulsions and sinful actions. There are certain things that are holding you. Yeah. And even though you want to make a different choice, they bind you. You see, slaves, slaves, unlike sons who live in love, they fight in fear. We spend our time trying to push away fear and, and, and live in certain ways that, that kind of insulates us from the things we fear. That's not how sons live. Sons live in the love of a father who is the ruler of the universe. What do I have to fear? 
My dad made it all. I live in love. And as a result, I am able to love others with an unconditional love. Why? Because I am receiving that love. Sons believe from belonging. What do I mean by that? I mean this, that, that every one of us have belonged to a community from a young age. And that community has, has framed, worked the way we look at life. Yeah. We believe by virtue of where we belong. I know a couple of atheists very personally who I am believing God to come into the kingdom, so I'm not going to share their names. Believe you me, they're right close to me. I've noticed this, is that the atheist beliefs aren't, aren't based on reason, although they can give me very reasonable arguments or unreasonable arguments. Their beliefs are based on the fact that they were alienated from Christian community and they found community amongst people who didn't believe in God and adopted that way of thinking because it made them feel like they had a place to belong. This is a wild thing to understand is we think we so independently come to our beliefs, but our beliefs are largely molded by where we feel like we belong. And you see, what Jesus does in making us sons is that he gives us a place of wholeness to belong. He gives us a place of belonging where truth is. And part of his journey and part of being part of a church is that very place of Jesus taking us out of slavery and making us sons of the kingdom by giving us a community that believes like he believes so that we can believe out of belonging. One back, sorry, my friend. You want me to finish long before I am, but not too long. You see, sons react from responsibility. What do I mean by that? I mean this. That if you don't own something, you don't care. I mean, honestly and truly, I don't litter. But if I had... If I were out in, in an area where no one owned, it would be much easier to drop my chip packet right there. But in my own garden, my friend, you try and drop a chip packet in my garden, and you're going to hear from me. Why? Because I own it. You see, what Jesus does in making us sons is he makes us owners of the kingdom. It means that we're now living out of responsibility. My father is the owner of this universe. It matters to me how you t treat it. My father is the owner of your daughter, and it matters to me how you treat her. Come on. Come on. So you see, sons live totally differently. And daughters. You know when I mean say sons, I mean sons and daughters. Are you all okay with that? just thought I should mention that. Men have to be the bride of Christ also. So girls, we're doing fine. We can be sons of God. You see, slaves fight in fear. They're disabled by disconnection. And they sin in self-preservation. Self 
That's not who we are. And we can step into a relationship with the one who is truth. That relationship can mold everything about us. And in so doing, we are set free from the bondage of our own sin. We are set free from the bondage of our misconceptions. We are set free from the bondage of our unbelonging. And we're free to be fully human. We're free to be fully ourselves. We are free indeed. A relationship with truth is an adoption into freedom. From slaves to sons. Your freedom comes from a relationship with Jesus who brings you to the Father to be adopted as a son or a daughter. Lord Jesus, (laughs) we are so grateful to you. We are so grateful to you. Lord, we want to be free like that. We want to be free like that. My friends, I'm going to invite you to all stand. There are those of you here that, you know, as I'm speaking, you're asking this question. Lord, where am I not free? And how can I encounter you to be free? And I want to pray something for you. You don't have to identify yourself. But Lord Jesus, I want to pray for every person here that the places that we don't even know, we're not free. The places where we believe in lies, where we have misunderstanding, when we're captured by something. Lord, I'm praying and asking that you would set us free. You would come and reveal to us what we need to know to be free.
most of you, you're just stepping into a deeper experience of Jesus. You've known Him. You've surrendered to Him. But there are a couple of people here that you've been around church, but you've been living life under your own direction. You have not surrendered to Jesus Christ. You have not made Him the Lord of your life. You're still in charge of your life. pray this prayer together and would you pray this meaning that Lord Jesus I come to you I surrender my life to you I acknowledge you as the creator of the universe who died for me 